Hi, this is Zagina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant. This is part of our year-long series of focusing on courageous connections, and if you've been following us, this is part three of the Unexpected Adventure. And just the briefest of recaps, when we started in episode one, you just you learned that um, at the end of April, I was on an Amtrak train to Washington, D.C., and met Jerome, who found absolutely fascinating. We talked for a couple of hours on the train. I made some kind of comment to him that his life was so amazing that he should consider having his memoirs written. And then approximately a week and a half later, I picked up the phone and offered to write those memoirs for him. And then in the end, middle of July, or end of July here, I picked up and had a friend who decided to join me on the journey. And Lisa and I took off for five days in Atlanta to go and see what would happen. I guess I have to say at that point, it really was see what would happen. We really didn't know. And when we left you in episode two, we had already spent about a day and a half with Jerome. Our heads were absolutely spinning. It was just an extraordinary space to be in. And we left you kind of with this sense of this theme that had been emerging from our conversations with Jerome of doors opening and opening doors and of Jerome's opening some doors as well. So wanted to start off with talking about what were those doors? Because Jerome has this way, he really believes in people. He believes in giving people opportunities. He believes in setting up circumstances in which people are able to show them best their best selves. And he has this way of just believing in people without saying a word, but just in the way he interacts with you and looks at you and sets you up for things that he believes in your greatness, whoever you are. And it's a theme that came out in many different ways and many different times as we talked through the week. So this was his opportunity to open some doors for me as well. And so... One of the things Jerome does, he has a media company called In the House Media, located, headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and he covers events. He's a, he's got a media company, so he covers events. And Wednesday night, we went to this media event. I think we talked about that it was a fashion event, a beauty and fashion event, something that Lisa and I are incredibly between us, almost completely unversed in, in any kind of way. And there are people there who are fashion stylists and hairstylists and lashes stylists. And it's not a very big event, but it is full of style, as you can imagine. We walk in, and mind you, we said to Jerome, how should we dress? Not that we had that many options in our little travel bags. How should we dress? Very casual, whatever you wear is fine. We walk into this room of people just dressed in spectacular fashion, of course, um, savvy clothes. It's serving largely an African-American community and just the beauty and the clothes and the shoes and the handbags and the hairstyles and the makeup. And it's just the room is filled with this kind of extraordinary just beauty The event is being held at the studios of this company called Fantasy Faces, in case anybody wants to look them up. And it really is a fashion and beauty industry event. Small, not a huge number of people, but a huge number, a big wow in terms of appearance and things like that. 
So Jerome had gotten there early and was all set up with his camera and tripod. There were a few other media specialists who were there as well, set up with their cameras and tripods, and the back screens were set up to promote the event. They were doing, and people were doing interviews. There was somebody there who was doing interviews of some of the stylists who were there, and the media people were all catching it. And so after the initial set of interviews and things like that were done, Jerome comes over and talks to Lisa and I and says, you know, oh, you know, here's what we, whatever we're talking about. It we're talking about what we noticed from the interviews and things like that. And then he pulls out a microphone and he says, "All right, you're going to go interview this woman." And we're looking at this woman, Portia Portia. She is a hairstylist. She is just striking everything from her hair, her makeup, her outfit. She is just one of these people who is lighting up the room. She'd just been interviewed by whoever it is was there to interview people to promote the event. And he sticks the microphone in my hand and says, you're going to go interview her. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, what could I possibly interview her about? I know nothing about hair. I know nothing about fashion. I know nothing about beauty. And he turns to me and says something akin to, you're curious, so go be curious. And sets me up. I will post. You can go onto Facebook and see this video You'll pardon me, I don't think this actually got posted anywhere for public viewing. And I did overlook some of the basic things like, oh, you might want to introduce the person that you're interviewing, knowing that she'd already been well introduced. I just kind of totally slipped my mind and dove completely into just leveraging my curiosity and starting to talk to Portia Portia. And we engage in this conversation. And what do I do? I ask what I ask. You know, I ask, what's your story? Tell me who you are. How did you get here? And what's really lovely is even in this small clip, I don't know, maybe it's about three, four minutes at most. It's tell me who you are. And watching her visually, you, you won't see the other interview she engaged in and this one, but Lisa said to me, there's just such a difference when somebody's being formally interviewed and they know they're being interviewed. There's kind of a a stiffness and a little bit of, you know, the way that you're holding yourself. But when you just started asking her about her and her life, even to see someone who was really polished, just kind of relax and lean into telling their story. So that was really, it, it was fun. Gave her a big hug. We got some nice pictures together. And I'm thinking, okay, whew, I made it. I made it through that. Then Jerome leads us into the next room next door and says, okay, and he sticks the microphone back in my hand again, and now we're going to set up for an interview with Julian Lark, and Julian Lark is a fashion stylist. He styles musicians and people who make public appearances, has a magazine online called Control Magazine. And we launch right into the interview. I have not yet learned because I barely had a second to breathe between the two of these. Okay, make sure you really introduce Julian and get down who he is and where he's from first. I think we get a little bit of that. And then we launch into story. It was really powerful, I think, for me to recognize, just as it was with Jerome sitting on the train, it's people's stories. It's people's stories that are really fascinating to me. So we tell a little bit of Julian's story, interview him, have him show me. He's got this rack of clothes there that are just really diverse and interesting. And what does he think I would look well in? So we kind of look through that and we're having a good time. And then that interview finishes. 
And so the door opening, the door opening of Adina, this is fun. And just stick some a microphone in your hand. You don't need to be overly prepared and overly think. Just step through the door and make a connection. And that's what you do. So I want to express my gratitude to Jerome. I know he is listening into this series, how exciting it is to have a mini series made about your life. So I know he's listening and I want to thank Jerome for that amazing opportunity to just step step in beyond, in a place that was kind of well outside my comfort zone, at least in being in a beauty and fashion industry event and just saying, go do this and go do what you do. Go connect with people. And then for him and Lisa to be able to give me feedback on that we did a little critique of technique and also this recognition that telling people stories is really important and something that I feel really committed to. So thank you, Jerome. I know you're listening. In terms of the continued journey of being on this unexpected adventure, the piece that I also wanted to talk about today was one of the really powerful things that came out of spending a week diving into someone's life is the opportunity to think with Jerome about or to and to extract from things he was saying to extract you know think with him about what is it that really drives the way that I lead my life and it's a question for all of us is our law are our lives just filled with a random set of events? Are we only responding to what happens to come up today? So this phone call or this request from my boss or you know this need over here or something like that. Is our life a series of just simple responses to events around us? Or is it rooted in something? Rooted in principles and values that are guiding us, helping us to make choices about what we do and what we don't do, how we do something, how we engage. And the beautiful thing about this opportunity to spend like five days delving into someone's life is to see coherent themes come out and to be able to reflect back like, wow, this is really the story of who you are these principles that you've lived by again and again, these values that you've upheld and stayed true to again and again, or have been shaped and really cultivated through the stories of your life. I realize, you know, most of us don't sit down and do that on a regular basis. We don't sit down and think about what are the values that are most central to me that I'm most committed to living by, or what are the principles that guide how, what I choose and what I don't choose, what I, what I step toward and what I step away from, or what I you know, claim and what I leave behind. And so I want to share with you some of the principles that emerged from the dialogue with Jerome, and perhaps it inspires some time of reflection and sitting and thinking about what are the principles that I live by, what are the values that I live by. I know for myself, I do think about values and I have a core set of those and I revisit my core set of values about every six months to a year just to kind of see how am I doing? How am I staying true to them or has anything shifted or adjusted in what feels core and central for me? But it was very beautiful to be able to pull these out and maybe there'll be something that really hits you about it. 
And mind you, when we these emerged from the conversations with Jerome, they didn't emerge because we said, okay, what are the principles that you live by? Although maybe I did ask him that. <laughs> maybe we did say that. But they were more in dialogue of just pearls of wisdom that would drop, and then you would realize how everything tied back to these things. So the first one was, and it was the very first thing that Jerome said, was family is everything. And it's not that Jerome's family life has been uncomplicated. It's been complicated in lots of ways. And yet it's something that he thinks about on a daily basis, his family, his relationship to people in his family and the way in which family has shaped him and his early upbringing. And so, you know, that was a core principle for him. The second one, which you could totally see Jerome living by, and I think there's a few things here that are kind of linked to it. When you do the right thing, the right things happen. And I know we could say, and look, I I grew up reading when bad things happen to good people, and it was not a prescription for be a good person and then you'll only have good things happen to you because that certainly has not been the story of his life and it is not the story of any of our lives. But this idea when you do the right thing, right things are likely to happen as a guiding principle. I can either be cynical, we can either be cynical and say, you know, no matter what I do, you know, bad things happen or this and that. So it's not even worth it trying to put forth the effort. And I think this principle of Jerome's combined with another principle of his, which is you don't always get exactly what you want, but you always get what you need in the time that you need it. That if we put those things together, when you do the right thing, the right things happen. The right things may not always feel so pleasant. They might not always bring joy, happiness, abundance, or those kinds of things. But they might be the right things for other reasons. And combining that with the fact that we don't always get what we want, but we get what we need. And we get it in the time that we need it is really powerful. And it's a strong teaching, and it was beautiful to kind of see how that manifests in his life. Another one of those principles is the whole world's a stage. Everyone plays a part, and you have to see what your part is. I love this one. This is very aligned with my everyone has their own unique brilliance principle because it really is true. There's no point in trying to show up being someone else. There's no point trying to mimic other people's being or behavior or priorities, whether that's in dress or travel or what we do. It's very easy for us to get caught up in comparative kind of thinking or emulated kinds of behavior. The problem with those things is when they step in and they keep us from being ourselves. They keep us from discovering what's truly us. I'm emulating something else or I'm striving for something else because if it's good for that person, maybe it will be good for me. Or if I could live up to what someone else is doing, then maybe I'll be enough. All these subconscious kind of things that go through our mind. But the whole world's a stage and everyone plays a part. See what your part is. Another one of the principles that was really important in the evolution of Jerome's life. He was a, he is a Vietnam veteran. He certainly struggled with PTSD as virtually every veteran in some way has, as well as many others of us who've never been to 
war have. It's um, pretty prevalent, but certainly for Vietnam vets, there was a very um, pervasive um, struggle to come up against with PTSD. And how do we move ourselves through that? And for him, this principle of I learned how to not let negative things occupy a lot of space in my head. It was something that came through again and again. We have a choice about what we allow to occupy space in our head. I love that. I mean, I I think about that all the time. And when I notice lots of negative things coming in, whether it's external media or thoughts in my head, I think about, is that what I want to let occupy or take up real estate right now? Or is it something else? And for Jerome, it was so critical because in suffering with PTSD and, you know, experiencing various kinds of challenges in his life, it drove this awareness that the only way to navigate through is to recognize that we have a choice and to learn how to exercise that choice of what we're going to allow to occupy space in our head. And as Jerome shared with us, it's something he has to work on every single day and put energy towards every single day. And the truth is all of us do because whether we've been to Vietnam or you know anything else, Every single one of us as human beings is susceptible to negative stuff occupying space in our head. How much space do we want to give it? So I love that. And I'm so grateful to Jerome for the way that he phrases that. One more that I want, and there's a number more that will go into his memoirs, but another one um, that just key and goes back again to this whole theme that I started with today of opening doors for people and watching them grow. The doors of opportunity that I've opened, they're not badges for me, opening doors of opportunity for people. It's just what I, it's just the right thing to do. And that is how he lives. Jerome has had people who have opened doors or exhibited grace in totally unexpected ways that made a huge change in his life that totally redirected the direction something could have gone. And I think sees himself, uh, he would never use this language, I would use this language, that he, like each of us, has the opportunity to be the angel that somebody else needs, the messenger of that that someone else needs. Do I have the capacity to open a door, to potentially change the trajectory of someone's life or day or moment that could come in the form of lifting up our eyes and really seeing them, of greeting in a particular way, of creating an opportunity when where nobody else would, giving somebody a chance when nobody else would. An interesting thing, and of course it was no real surprise, In addition to this amazing experience of going to Atlanta to see Jerome, I also had two amazing people to sit next to on either side of my plane ride. And the gentleman that I sat next to on the plane ride down to Atlanta was someone who, that's exactly what he does, is he opens doors, he runs an organization that opens doors for people when others wouldn't. It's an organization called First Step. 
that got their start in Atlanta has expanded to Philadelphia, which is how we ended up connecting in the route between Philadelphia and Atlanta. And what they do is they acquire a hire a temp agency, um, a staffing agency, I'm sorry, and set up a process for putting people who are experiencing homelessness back to work. All these people who have the capacity to want to work, who want to work and are in the system as homeless, which is creating various barriers to being able to get work. And here's a man who has, is operating this company, this social enterprise that is opening doors for people that other people hadn't figured out a way to open. It's an amazingly magnificent thing. So I want to thank Jerome for bringing that principle and giving us all the opportunity to think about whether it's a small way or a big way, how we can open doors for people on any given day, any given moment. So this is today's episode of the unexpected adventure. The doors that Jerome opened and kind of ways that he thrust me toward putting myself out there in bigger, bolder ways, being courageous, as well as what was it like to peer into someone's life. Oh, I almost forgot one of the things I also wanted to mention is this piece I talked about principles and also want to talk about core values. I don't know if Jerome could have said this when I asked him, but from listening to him and listening to the stories of his life, those core values, what does he live by? I would suggest to him that these are the ones that stood out most. And you'll hear them from the principles that he shared. Family, respect, loyalty, equality, and service. I could describe all of these, but equality in this really came through powerfully in the sense that um, you know, there were racial differences. Jerome is African-American, um, and I don't know if he would describe himself as black or African-American, and Lisa and I are Caucasian, and Lisa said to me at one point, like, Jerome doesn't see differences. And when we went through the Martin Luther King Museum and we talked about the Vietnam War, it was absolutely true that equality, in this sense, didn't mean, like, equal opportunity, but truly that everybody is equal and there aren't distinctions and differences. We're all humans having a human experience. And it was remarkable to be in the presence. A lot of us talk about that. I know I do too. And I felt like being in Jerome's presence was to be in the presence of somebody who honestly and genuinely, every part of his being actually lives that way. That he doesn't see distinctions between people, whether it's economic or racial or social and things like that. It was beautiful absolutely beautiful. So I wanted to make sure to get that in too. <clears throat> so what would I want to leave you with? What for you to be wondering about or be curious about? It's not something we often carve out time for, but maybe this summer, maybe it, there is an opportunity to sit down and think, what are the principles that really guide my life? What are the things that help me to choose and determine how I act or don't act? What I step towards what I step away from, what I claim, what I leave behind. What are the principles and values that really shape my life? I will tell you that there is a lot of beauty and grace in spending time with that question. So this is part three of the adventure. I think there might be two more parts in this. We'll see. And um, so I invite you to join me back next week for part four, which I know is going to focus on 
a curious question that I asked myself, which is, what was this trip to Atlanta really about for me? So if you are interested in getting deep in the psyche and experience of, you know, my experience, my vulnerability is my learnings and my teachings from this whole experience. Join me back again next week for another episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliance.